Welcome everybody to Podcast the Week, a week before E3, so you know what I'm going to be talking about next week. Yeah, as I'm watching the British election results come in at the moment, which is always interesting. It's been a while since, well, the Conservatives might end up eking a majority, or maybe a coalition majority, who knows. But, you know, it's interesting seeing election results that aren't, like, utterly miserable. I suppose the Tories aren't. Are the Tories Donald Trump bad? I'm not sure. They're up... That's a difficult... They're, I don't know. It is certainly better than Brexit in that Trump election, though. That was a miserable night. Anyway, this isn't a miserable podcast, at least most of the time. We're talking about Captain America Civil War, a really good film. So, here that is. Me and Barry, talking about Captain America. Welcome back to Podcast of the Week. The next film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Avengers 2.5. It's Iron Man 4. It's Captain America 3. It's all rolled into one. It's Captain America Civil War. And Barry's back to talk about it. Barry? I am indeed. Too many numbers to keep track of. Because, yeah, this film is basically a sequel. Well, we've talked about this, but it it literally, it it combines, like, the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe into a single film. And and to a level you would hope Infinity War does, it, it, it hat tips and acknowledges... Uh, all the other ones in a, in a way that kind of makes you think, oh, yeah, the universe concept works. Yeah, like plot threads from Iron, as I said, from Iron Man 3 stuff, you know, the, the shaky relationship with Pepper Potts, actually explain what's happening. Because that, that confused me a yeah. lot in um, what's the, what's the Age of Ultron, where he's just Iron Man again, because mm-hmm. the big, like, dramatic end to Iron Man 3 is him exploding his suits, and then he's just Iron Man again in the next film, and they finally, like, explain that here. Yeah. And then, like, it obviously yeah. it's a direct sequel to Cap 2, and then it, it plays off of Age of Ultron. So, yeah, it's juggling. It's wearing a lot of hats. It's doing a lot of juggling. Yeah, and I think I think that's a positive and a negative because, as we said, it, you know, it um, it, it, it uh, kind of proves the worth of the concept of a cinematic universe. But also, I think it kind of, for, upon re-watching it, I mean, I really love this film when I saw it in the theater. Watching it back yesterday... Um, it kind of bears the crosses of some of the earlier films. Some of the problems we had talked about, about Age of Ultron and stuff, they're like trying to remedy or, or, or kind of make them matter in this film. And with some success and and some, some clunkiness, um, uh, yeah, but it's, it's certainly an ambitious film given the, the amount of threads from previous films that it takes on. And also introducing two new pretty significant characters. Yeah, because this this is this has more Avengers than the last Avengers film did. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, actually, well, I suppose they they gain Black Panther and Spider Man and lose Thor and Hulk, so it might even out. But it's close enough. Yeah, but but you know those two are gone. But at the same time, those are like established characters, and they've got like two uh, uh, new names in the form of of um, Black Panther and Spider Man. So they're kind of building them up from scratch. Although, I mean, are you ever really building Spider-Man up from scratch? I mean, I guess, I guess, in the cultural consciousness, you're not really doing that. No, just don't need to see Uncle Ben die again. Which don't no, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Poor Martin Sheen can't handle another death. No. Who played the original Uncle Ben? I don't know the actor's name, and I did know it. I can, I can, I can picture his face, yeah, but I don't know his name. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's good, you know that he he was great in that role. Um, Martin Sheen didn't do much for me in that in that reboot. In fairness, um, he didn't really do much in that film in general. He he didn't do much in it, right? I mean that it, much like the, that whole franchise, it just felt like a really haphazard, half-hearted 
reimagining. But uh, yeah, that you know that two thousand two film, that 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 early sequence of Uncle Ben, that's all good stuff. But uh, gone, never never to be spoken of until at least one more regeneration of the character. Yeah, they'll, they're like the the next time around, they'll just bring back Tobey Maguire, do like adult Spider Man, like the the Logan equivalent uh, of Spider Man. Uh, well, there there you go, now you're talking. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like if and realistically, when is probably the appropriate term to use. When they reboot Spider Man yet again, when when he you know whatever deal expires that means he's no longer part of the MCU and Sony go back at it. Yeah, I, I would almost imagine that they've exhausted it so thoroughly that they would have to go with a different non-Peter Parker uh, Spider-Man. I mean, dive into any one of the million universes you got or go with Miles Morales or something um, because, uh, you know, there's only, there's only so many times you can revisit it. But uh, I tell you, though, on the subject of Spider-Man, I mean, I, I think as, as introductions go and, and as... Uh, Gestures from Marvel go to show, hey everyone, we're gonna we're gonna have fun with this, and this is gonna be a good iteration of this character. Uh, this is a pretty damn good offering, I thought. Because yeah, that's that was the big thing coming out of this film. It's like, hey, Spider Man's pretty good again. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. And, and going into it, because they acknowledged he was going to be in it in the trailers, I feel like that was one of the main talking points. People were excited to see Spider Man, and, and and when they came out of it, yeah, they were like, "All right, Spider Man's cool. That's great." And, and everyone was very excited at the prospect of a of a standalone film. Because this film is it's kind of very heavy. It's dramatic. There's the usual quips in there, but it, you know it's serious. It's about like war and responsibility and and all fun stuff like that. And then there's just a half hour period in the middle of the film where Spider Man shows up, and it's just a bunch of quips, one liners, and action scenes, and it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely, and he he is something of a uh, a breather, um, because like it's a film that like early on, like the first half of the film, it's all like quasi realistic depictions of terrorism, like you know still within the realm of a superhero film, but it's a guy blowing himself up in a public space, uh, a, 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 an explosion at the UN that does not result in a in a in a crazy fight or chase sequence. It's just an explosion at the UN. Where people die, and, and and you know lots of stuff like that, and then the tail end of the film with uh, with uh, specifically the big fight scene at the end and the revelation of, of Winter Soldier killing the Starks. That's all grim. That's all like the grimmest stuff that the MCU has done, I think, uh, in terms of tone and level of violence. I mean, so, you know, it's um still it's still a solid twelve. I I I don't even think it was really. I don't even really think it was close to a 15 rating, but uh, it was, you know, as as these films go, it, it is pretty grim. And yeah, Spider-Man's a good uh, comic relief in there, and he's part of, of some of those fun scenes and the whole thing. So uh, so that was good, which oh, yeah. is obviously an integral part of, of what Spider-Man is. And Ant-Man shows up at the same time, so it's just like the two most like comedic-leaning characters in the, the MCU just dropped in for, for half an hour to crack jokes, basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which this film probably did need, as you were saying. It's dark. It's like, you know, it's like the director's acknowledging. It's like, we know that this film is relatively heavy for a superhero film, so we're just going to make it super fun for a half hour. And that kind of evens it out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, and it, That's also, I mean, that's the... Um, it's kind of like the Marvel template. It's like what you've, you, you've built these films up as. Probably something very difficult that directors have to grapple with is, I have all these ideas and I want to go in this direction. You know, it's not like a, a Tim Burton could come along and say, "All right, let's do this with Captain America." It's like, "Whoa, buddy, you are you are making one film in a in a in a twenty one film universe." So so you know, 
the Russo brothers here are setting about to make this dramatic, gritty thing with this terrorism and these dudes violently beating each other and revenge and anger and all this other stuff. It's like, well, we still have plans for what we want the overall tone of this to be. And, and this, these are, even though it pushes the brink a little bit, these are still movies that we want kids to go and see in droves. So, so yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, that's, that's, that's Disney in general. I mean, it's, it's, it's very talented people, but they're, they're trying to make their, their art work in the corporate, uh, you know, environment. So this film is hung on like, the the framing of device of kind of adding levity to the events of Age of Ultron. Yeah. Which kind of works and it doesn't because a big problem we both had with Age of Ultron was was like Iron Man creates Ultron and then he just goes and tries to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So we we've learned in that film that he has not learned from his mistakes. So the the big like dramatic crux of this is that he suddenly feels the burden of responsibility because some woman walked up to him and's like you killed my son and all of a sudden yeah. it, it comes home that oh I've I've done horrible things I need checks on my power that that felt kind of ham fisted to me yeah absolutely and it was one of those things that I came out of the film the first time I saw it and I was like oh wow they added all this gravitas to it and and it was really well done and and they added some layers that weren't previously there and that's still true I don't you know I don't think that that illusion was completely shattered but but watching all these movies in quick succession for this for this show and then in, in particular watching this one yesterday I was just like yeah you know the cracks are kind of there they're playing this footage of like the New York incident and trying to play it off as look at how dangerous the Avengers are I was like like there's aliens invading like yep. I don't like you're trying to get me to feel bad for them for being reckless and yeah you've got Hulk there jumping through buildings but it's like aliens invaded like what were we supposed to do <laughs> likewise they've got the end of like Winter Soldier in there where the shield ship crashes and like it's a, again we were taking down these preposterously evil people trying to destroy the world and then you know your Age of Ultron at least Age of Ultron like you said like Ultron was Tony Stark's creation so as 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 annoying as we both found the conclusion of that film to be, at least in this one, when they're playing that footage, like here, look, this thing you made was a gigantic disaster. So so yeah, I you know watching it this second time, I was kind of half and half. I was like, I still appreciated the effort, but I saw through it a little bit, and also the um, you know, in particular, they just had to mention the 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 kid that died. That made Stark feel bad. He died at the end of Age of Ultron, which I just I I do kind of resent that movie being so mindless and so consequence free in and of itself. But then after the fact of this movie, they're like, "Oh no, bad things happened. Look, we're going to retroactively add a, a casualty for you to feel bad about." Like I said, you know, they're paying for the sins of the father a little bit in this film. But uh, I do think I do think their their the effort is really commendable for what they're trying to do and. And uh, I, I think I think the, the you know Robert Downey Jr.'s performance is is, is pretty good and and, and uh, despite the flaws I think in, in general it's a net positive what they're going for. Yeah, even at the start of this film, they're they're thwarting like a chemist people uh, criminals trying to steal chemical weapons. It's like well, some yeah. some people died, but would you have rather have had them steal the chemical weapons? Yeah. And he's like, you know, oh, I have to be held accountable if, if you know, I, I lose two 10-ton, you know, missiles referring to Horan Thulk being available, being missing. It's like, yeah, well, if you're going to use a military analogy, it's like, look, people die in the process of, of war and operations like this. You know, it's just, I guess I guess they didn't really hammer home that it, that it, that the Avengers were these out of control people. They did, they did, and you know, for, for all the talk, they never really got into body count with regards to like New York, with regards to Avengers 1. Like, they didn't really specify what went wrong, how many people died, you know. 
um, they they just alluded to it, um, which which was maybe something they could have done to to hammer it home a bit. But uh, you know, it's it's difficult. It is difficult when you're when you're making these films that are summer blockbusters, and then you know, twelve f- films deep, you decide you want to start adding a bit of levity. Yeah, you, and especially when it's like different people have made all of these films, so it's it's not one like through line. It's not like. And uh, the Russo brothers were, you know, we're going to bring this Avengers thing back around in a few films' time. So when they when they tried to do it, when they tried to like, like retcon some level of like uh, like consequence, it, it's it's going to feel just just a tad shaky. So th- this film, like I I will give infinite credit to the Russos though they damn well know how to shoot action. Yeah, I mean this was another, I mean uh, another really really great action film. Uh, I have such an admiration for for the way they 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 put their action scenes together another thing one thing i really appreciated in this film in particular is this kind of sound design the punching the scraping the falling the explosions the gun sound effects everything everything just sounds really cool everything moves really fast it's just um yeah they they made a, a film with a bit of levity but they still had their trademark just awesome action and it's like my least favorite thing. It's it's the thing about the DC universe as well. But most like modern action films is it's so jumpy, and like you can never make out what's happening. And like I understand that that's because that makes action easier to shoot. And this film does have some of that to an extent because I think it, it's necessary. But you know you can always make out what's happening. You in these action scenes they're so wonderfully shot that you can the, the sequences flow from one from the next, and you can actually see what's happening. It's it's wonderful. And there's three like brilliant action set pieces in this film there's the one at the start when they're thwarting the terrorists there's that big chase through berlin and then there's the airport fight and all three of those action scenes are just fantastic yeah and they they have a lot of kind of uh sight gags not really gags but you know what i mean that 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 really hinge on you being able to see what's happening to work like you know the with things with the drone and you've got Spider-Man going in all these different directions and I mean that's the thing as well in the airport fight is you've all these different variables you've all these different characters who do these different things and fight in these different ways and they're mixing it up and it's it's you know it would have been very easy for that to get mucky and hard to follow um, but they uh, they kept a lid on it and it really was impressive yeah I was, I was thinking about watching that it's like how do we even script that it's like, and now Spider-Man comes flying in with his webs to catch the shield, and then someone else does this thing. And, you know, to have that kind of intricate choreography laid out in a way that kind of makes sense, you have to have, like, a very clear vision of what you're actually shooting. Yeah. During the scripting process, I imagine there's a lot of parentheses with they fight in them. <laughs> and then and then that's figured out sort of closer to the filming process with the choreographers. That's my, my guess. But, um... But yeah, it's 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 really uh, it, it is really really impressive. Lots of lots of great action. There is one Hurricane Rana and one failed Hurricane Rana, by the way. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Winter Soldier counters one at one point. Power bombs him onto a table instead. Yeah, yeah. So they're 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 learning. They're playing off the previously established moments, which is very impressive. And we we talk about callbacks to old MCU films. We we have a deep cut as General Ross is brought back from Hulk. Yes, yeah, which was, uh, you know, again, Hulk kind of the black sheep of these early films in terms of, you know, different actor, not really tied into the rest of them at all. You know, so, uh, throwing a little bone here, it's important to remember it. Like, you you could almost forget that that is a, an MCU film in some ways, I mean. It's the one that kind of exists least within continuity. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And yeah, they, they were throwing a bone here. 
General Betty's still nowhere to be seen. Betty's just gone. I don't think we're getting Betty back ever. I hope she just shows up in that Thor film. She's just somewhere in space. It's like yeah, she. You know, they have their big fight as they always do, and then as as Thor is about to finish Hulk, she comes down a little spaceship. She's like, no. <laughs> Uh, did you spot the Arrested Development reference in this film, by the way? No. The the you know the stair car from Arrested Development. Yes. The design of the 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 plane stair cars in the airport scene is the exact same as the Arrested Development one. Oh wow! And I would never have caught that, but that's that's a, an interesting pull. That is because obviously like the Russos directed a bunch of Arrested Development, so like that is that is like a, a deep cut Arrested Development reference. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 pretty good. Thought you were gonna say at some point during like the the big car chase that they run over a banana stand. <laughs> There's money in the banana stand, Michael. Yeah, Jim Rash is in this too. So like, uh, Danny Pudi was in Winter Soldier. Jim Rash is in this to confirm that Community is within the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that's you know that's that's we've confirmed that it's one of the great scoops we've had in this series. Yes, and we have our young CGI. <laughs> no. Yeah, I saw that new Pirates movie, by the way. It's in that as well. It's, oh. in, it's in every Disney film now. Like, literally every single one of them. I forgot how bad, I forgot how much I disliked it in this one in particular. It's good, and it's because his voice isn't different. That doesn't help as well. Um, but yeah, do you not think he's know. like, he's talking a little more earnestly? Like, he's, it's like, it, it's just a little higher and a little more enthusiastic because he's young now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he did, he, he did act like a young person. That's fair enough. But he was still, you know, oh, man, enough of this. And it's like, I, I, I refuse to believe that it's just a coincidence that all these recent Disney films um, have had flashbacks that required it. It's like, no, they are they are definitely, they are definitely, like, deliberately doing this. There's definitely an initiative to do it. Um, like, Rogue One, like, you excuse it, it is a prequel. It is, it, it does tie directly into the beginning of the next film. So you can, you can justify that, but, like, like, the, the, the young Tony Stark is it's such a contrived scene anyway like like he explains oh I've got this new tech that's like I can relive scenarios as I wish they went it's like what is this what is this scene this is the most and then he's like and it turns out he's given a speech at a university about like a bursary and stuff like that it's like this has this couldn't have less to do with your parents and young you because I, I that was another thing I had forgotten from first year like this has nothing to do they so shamelessly shehorned it in, and I actually can't remember. Oh wait, no, I, I guess it's kind of important in pirates, but they could have, they could have forgot. They could have just stuck a bit of makeup on Johnny Depp. It's not like they had to do it. So yeah, I, I am certain that it is, um, uh, that it is like a mandate that they want to show it off whenever they can. You know, what it might be maybe they are trying to get these films some Oscars for, uh, for like they want they want to be pushing the envelope for CGI, and maybe they think this will score them some second-tier Oscars, maybe. Some technical achievements. Or it's just like someone in Disney is just like, we paid for this. We're bloody well going to start using it. Or or that, yeah. Like Even though I'm not a fan of it, I'm sure it's expensive. Or they're like, okay, well, this has to be used always now because you spent ludicrous amounts of money on it. So uh, so maybe that's it, you know, return on investment. But uh, yeah, so that, that, was, uh, that was a joy. I'm fairly um, sure they insisted Pixar use it in Finding Dory as well. That's how you got Young Dory in that film. <laughs> yeah, you know, that one was seamless. <laughs> uh, the other big character that showed up in this film is Black Panther. What did you think of Black Panther? Liked him a lot. Yeah, uh, um, 
I, I, I like him as kind of little little bit of an edge to him, a little bit roguish. Like he talks about when his when his dad dies, he has that scene with with uh, uh, Romanov about about how you know, oh, you're my father, not violent, but that's you know, that's not me. And uh, he he will hunt pretty you much across a- the world. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like literally, in fact, yeah, because he follows them all the way up to that final, uh, that final scene, and it's it's pretty much until he sees the revelation of the of the master plan that he is trying to cut Bucky's throat, basically, explicitly, in fact, in the airport fight, tries to rip his throat out. Yeah. So uh, you know, no, you know, he's a little bit like punishery in the sense that he's not really a hero. He's just he's a guy with special abilities who's out for his revenge and, and not a whole lot else. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a nice mix-up in uh, amidst all this other stuff where it's it's you know Captain America and Iron Man debating what's right and wrong and how do we do this and he's just in it for himself, which I which I appreciated. I did like when he shows up to fight Winter Soldier at first on that rooftop. It's like he just jumps in front of Winter Soldier and Winter Soldier, seeing a a man in a large black cat suit, is just like okay, I guess we're gonna fight now. Yeah, this is the world I live in, so <laughs> this is just this is life. <laughs> he gets it. The the villain is well, you see, you could give out the villain in this film, but I think the villain is literally just a plot device here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a bit he's a bit savvy, but at the same time, yeah, he was he was a device to get the plot moving, and I thought his his closing, you know, speech was good, and he he wasn't there was at least decent writing associated with it, so I I I, I didn't it didn't bother me too much, you know. Yeah, like if the big climax was like I, I thought it was a good swerve as well. That swerved me at first, you know, when I first saw this film when they go to the the Russian base and it turns out he's just killed all of the other Winter Soldiers because of course he wouldn't want all of those roaming the earth. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good swerve, and then it just turns out our, our final act is Iron Man and Captain America punching each other for a while. We we've talked quite a bit about about you know death and stuff in these movies. We I think we've already before. I mean, several times before we got to this movie, we talked about the whole war machine thing. Yeah. So so first of all, rewatching that scene, I was like, oh man, even the shot where he crashes to the ground, it's so ominous. It's like it's like it's it's almost. I'm I'm almost curious to see if if that idea was toyed with the idea that they were going to kill him off. Because it seems like the the groundwork was there. He is also, a pretty disposable he, character as well. He is a disposable character, and I, you know I was annoyed that that the, the the ending of the film is pretty damn heavy. But like, not only do they not kill him, but they, they even have the guy walking around by the end of the movie. Yeah. So even his even his paralysis that they said he might have is 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 basically hand waved. I mean that was super frustrating. But also the um, uh, you know the, the closing fight scene with um, Captain America and Iron Man. I mean it is it is really fantastic and. When when our, our 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 big bad is giving his speech about his plan, and it's just like Captain Slow Motion wailing on on Iron Man. It's like you know this is they they certainly got the heavy tone down, and they certainly uh, nailed the feeling that this was the darkest hour, even though they did not necess- did you know kill anyone. Certainly gave. Me, I remember in the theater, I thought Captain America was going to kill Iron Man right then and there with the, with the shield. Yeah, and what what I liked about that, well, like the, the the airport scene is is played for spectacle. Yeah. Whereas, whereas that final scene is it's gritty, it's raw, it's like just it's just two of them. There's not much superpowers in there. It's just two of them yeah. punching each other. It's like it's grounded. It's 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 played for that kind of serious tone. It's played for that it's that moment of everything has come to this. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's like even though no one died, I like that the film does end on that darker note 
of their their art. They're not on the same page. They're they're divided, and and this film does feel like it has consequences because they end with everyone on on separate pages, which which was good. And and I was kind of I, I was kind of disappointed that they showed Captain America freeing the the prisoners. Because I, because I, you know, I, I like that the ending of the film is everyone's divided, everything's gone to hell. Like, where do we go from here? I think, I think it would have just had a little bit more of a sting in the tail if that closing montage of them and their cells had not ended with him, you know, coming to break them out. I guess we have an Ant Man and the Wasp film to, to to show before the next Avengers. So, oh yeah, I guess that's right, true, and and uh, uh, yeah, so that makes sense. So uh, I guess I guess they had to do that again. You know, you got your you got your uh, uh, obligations to the universe. But yeah, I mean, it, it was certainly very impactful, and and if you're going if you're going to make a civil war movie where no one died, uh, I I think they still managed to achieve a, a great level of drama and a level of consequence to it that that felt like there's going to be you know ramifications in the next few films. Yeah, because when when I obviously when I came into this film, I expected the the whole film to be you know they have a problem, they fight for a while, bigger threat shows up, they're friends again by the end. Which is like, that was the formula of Batman versus Superman, where they do the big Martha scene and suddenly Doomsday shows up and they have to be pals. Whereas at the yeah. end of this, they're fractured, you know? They're, they're, they're mad at each other, they're still willing to support each other for the better of the world and all that fun stuff. But yeah, there's, there, there's ramifications of their dispute. They're, they're not on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. We, we had our Stan, Stan Lee cameo, Tony Stank. Yeah, God, I thought I didn't mind it, but I thought it was a bit late in the film for that that level of a joke. I actually like forgot him. I, I was actually thinking toward the end of the film, I was like, did I miss the Stan Lee cameo? It's like, oh nope, nope, there he is. Yeah, I, I also for, completely forgot what it was. I actually thought I had missed it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, not not a bad cameo, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't have put it at the very end of the film. No, and our, our post credit scenes set up Black Panther and Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, which were pretty, pretty standard. There's more films coming. Go watch them. Yeah, and we're uh, we are almost exactly a month out from Spider-Man. So. Indeed. So on the whole, it's it, I, I would say I, I do have more problems with this than when I saw it the first time I saw it. Same. Yeah. Because I saw this. This was the first film I've ever went to at a midnight screening, which is like the the hardest of the hardcore. So you're going to get people that love the film just there with you, which I think does enhance the experience a little and makes you kind of gloss over some of some of the the, the little shakiness of the plotting. But it's still it is among the better of the MCU films by far. My first midnight screening was for Suicide Squad. Oh God, that must have been crushingly disappointing. Yeah, actually, like coming out of it, it was not that bad because because people had geared me up to think it was one of the worst films ever and I didn't think it was I thought it was like alright and then on a subsequent viewing I ended up really not liking it but at the time I didn't hate it just because I think the hyperbole had had, uh, uh, had prepared me for the worst but yeah I'm, I'm pretty much with you uh, I think I, I, I loved this when I saw it in the cinema uh, watching it back I still think it's a really cool film I still really like it uh, but the holes are there and they, and they are largely due to the uh, the restrictions of, of the universe and the um, uh, and the, the mistakes that were made in previous films but um, so so it, it is not perfect but um, certainly a, a, a top-notch superhero film and still in the in the you know the upper tier of, of all these films and up next is the official Iron Man reboot Doctor Strange yeah. Yeah, um, that's another one that I've only seen once, so I'll be interested to, and, and thoroughly enjoyed, so I'll be interested to uh, uh, look back on it. 
I may have played my hand by already referring it to <laughs> referring to it as an Iron Man reboot. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's 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 a fair it's a fair comparison. I think I, I if I recall, I mean, I I think I that film did enough interesting kind of things that I I I I'm sure it'll stand up on a rewatch. And we will get into that next time. Before we go, Barry plugs. Plugs. Uh, you can go to thebarrylad.com for reviews of whatever I'm watching or playing at any given time. Got a Horizon review up at the moment. Which I just started uh, for, playing yesterday, by the way. Very good, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you finally got around to it. I'm, just as you get into that, I'm a few weeks away from starting Zelda, so my, my Switch is, is, is fast approaching. So, yeah, playing... Uh, what am I playing for? Night at the Woods at the moment, so I'm hoping to do a review of that when I'm done. Twitter.com slash TheBarryLad for updates on that blog and YouTube stuff, whatever I'm streaming, and just various other bits and pieces, so you can go uh, follow me there and uh, uh, keep up to date with whatever's going on. That is the show for this week. Thank you so much for this thing. As I said, we'll probably be talking about E3 next week. Who knows? Yeah, that's probably what next week's show will be after. But still, thank you for listening and thank you to Barry for taking the time to come on and talk. You can listen to new episodes of Podcast of the Week every single week at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. You can subscribe on iTunes by searching for TWS Network or subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Garrett Kidney, G-A-R-R-E-T-T-K-I-D-N-E-Y. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.